right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of Locked on Gators, your daily home for Florida Gators coverage, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. I'm your host, Zach Goodall. Make sure to go throw me a follow on Twitter at Zach underscore Goodall. You can also find my co-host, Demetrius Harvey. You can find him at Demetrius82. Demetrius, say what's up to the people. What's up, everyone? I hope you are enjoying our podcast. I hope that the new listeners are enjoying. I know that you guys don't necessarily listen to every single podcast. So if you're a new listener, then I appreciate you. And I hope that you will stick around. If you're an old listener, I hope that you keep listening and you're very much entertained by us because, you know, we just kind of spitball and we're just talking some Gators football. It's, it's nothing serious. It's casual. But, you know, we'll, 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 we'll figure it out as we keep going. Yeah, and so will Florida as they deal with a couple of injuries this week. A couple of big ones. Notably, Kyle Pitts, as everyone knows, he took that big hit against Georgia. We'll talk a lot more about that in the injury report that Dan Mullen gave us today in his weekly press conference. And then we're going to expand a little bit. We're going to keep things with Florida as we talk about Sam Pittman, Arkansas's head coach, testing positive for COVID-19, what it could mean. By the time you listen to this episode, as it will drop on Tuesday, we could find out a lot more. But we'll have this episode up early enough in the morning to where the news won't be out just yet. Uh, And then in our third segment, we're going to expand beyond Sam Pittman's positive diagnosis and talk about the SEC. I mean, talk about a dark day in the SEC when it comes to programs having to either shut down or really having huge concerns when it comes to COVID. We've seen that happen individually, school by school, including Florida. We've seen it here, but there were just tweet notifications left and right, weren't there, Demetrius? Uh, Just a ton of programs either having massive concerns or literally having to shut down again. It seemed as though Monday was a news dump for the SEC. This was something that I guess you can expect it just because it's 2020. Obviously we're dealing with this COVID-19. We're still dealing with it. Colleges are getting shut down. They're going to zoom, but it really was like you said, Zach, I felt like every single hour I was getting another notification of, Oh, this college is doing this now. This program is doing this now. We've seen it with the Gators, and now we're seeing it around the entirety of the SEC. And this is something that the Gators and the SEC and everybody's going to have to keep a watchful eye on. And I guess we'll just tell you about it a little bit later. But it's definitely been something where I'm not sure what's going to happen. And this is probably what they feared when they began this season. Yeah, well, we it's kind of hard to keep track of, but we've done our best to do it, and we'll be giving you all the details later in the show. But first, we'll get to this injury report. We've uh, we got a couple important guys, like Kyle Pitts and a starting offensive lineman in Stuart Reese, as well as, I don't know if he's technically a starter, but he pretty much plays like a starter within the rotation at Buck and Jeremiah Moon, a veteran, no doubt, in this Florida Gators defense. All questionable or worse for this upcoming week. Pitts is in the college version of the concussion protocol as he deals with that major hit he took from Lewis Seen, the Georgia safety, on Saturday. We'll see if he's able to go. I'm just going to say it right now, even if he seems good. I don't know if I'm putting him on the field against Arkansas, even though they're a good team that we'll talk about more later and throughout the week. But I don't think you need him to make the offense go. You want to keep him healthy. You got tight ends that can play. I don't know if I would put him in, uh, even if he's just questionable. Yeah, I probably wouldn't. And it's not necessarily about his aptitude or ability to go out there while dealing with a concussion. It's 
almost like he they might be forced not to. I'm not exactly sure how colleges do the concussion protocol, but I do know in the NFL they have independent neurologists evaluate these guys. So if that guy doesn't say that the guy's good to go, then he's not good to go. And if you, you guys saw it, I mean, that hit that he took from Seen on Saturday, that was just – it was brutal. I, I was surprised that he got up. Seen was clearly d- uh, dazed when he was trying to walk around, stumbling around. I'm not – I. I would wager to guess that he's also in the concussion protocol currently. I didn't look it up, but it's kind of obvious, you know, at this point. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do with Kyle Pitts. But you know what? They have other guys. And I'm not trying to undersell what Kyle Pitts brings to the table. 24 receptions, 414 yards, and and eight touchdowns. That that just speaks for itself. He's he's, he's, He's the number one tight end in the nation. He's the player on offense besides... Kyle Trask, I guess, probably the most important player on offense besides Kyle Trask at this point in the season. He's going to, it's going to hurt not to have him. But like Zach said, against a team like Arkansas, and we're not trying to undersell Arkansas, we've already talked about this game being sort of a trap game for the Gators. They need to play really well. And without Kyle Pitts, it's going to be difficult. But you have other guys. I mean, you have Kamari Gamble, you have Zipper coming in, and you never know what you're going to get from these Gators' offense, really. Yeah, maybe you'll get another eight wheel routes or some play that it's just like, huh? Oh, they were in a screen ten times, and each time it went for fifteen plus yards. Like what? Right, you can you can you can work out of any position group. It doesn't necessarily have to come from the tight end position or even the wide receiver position. On Saturday, three hundred yards came out of the running back position, and that was a lot of it through the air, a lot of it on the ground. Three hundred yards combined. That's just think about that. 300 yards out of one position group, especially at running back. That I don't think that that's something that's even heard of, really, necessarily. Now, especially, do you especially, anticipate do you anticipate the running back group being hurt by the potential loss of Stuart Reese? Uh, now he is doubtful, right? Mullen said doubtful with a, or, or was that Moon? That was no, he's he. Stuart Reese is questionable with a shoulder injury. Shoulder injury. Yes, my fault. Uh, Reese is questionable with a shoulder injury. If he's not able to go, do you think that hurts? Or do you think the idea of getting Joshua Braun another game or maybe Ethan White's ready to go, do you think it, there's much of a drop-off? I mean, it, it definitely hurts. I, I can't imagine anybody saying that Stuart Reese being out doesn't hurt. The guy is a huge, huge man. He can maul. He can, he can pass block. He's shown. And it's always great to have stability along the offensive line. But to your point, you know, they're, the drop-off between Reese and, and Braun, now I kind of have to go back into the game and watch it a little bit more. It's kind of hard to distinguish things live from the offensive line's perspective. You, you, it's, also hard, it's also hard to do that with broadcast film in general. It, yeah, it, it, you can't necessarily grade the offensive line based on just some game footage from the, from the broadcast. But I will say we didn't really necessarily see a bunch of pressure coming in we didn't necessarily see them not able to do what they were they were supposed to do now you can point to that the offense didn't score during the second half because they only scored six points but i don't necessarily think it was only because Stuart reese was out i think there's a multitude of reasons for that brian johnson talked about it he couldn't they they weren't doing well on i believe he said first and second down or second and third down either way they they just weren't getting as much production while dan said that they were just trying to control the lead Right, so you know, two different, two different I, uh, points I believe, of view. I believe Johnson there. Right, I mean, Dan, 
you're not going to get that much out of a head coach. I mean, it, it, it just it just is what it is. Oh, well. Anyways, the, the, the point is, though, that Stuart Reed's going out. It is going to hurt. But you do have Josh Braun, who's a true freshman coming. He plays. He played well, 45 snaps. He graded positively in pass protection from PFF. Not as good or not as well on the running game perspective. I forget what his actual grade was there, but I don't think any of the offensive linemen scored too high in the running game, and that's kind of to be expected when they don't run the ball very much, and they haven't been all season. Maybe we'll find out against Arkansas that, we're, that they will. But, yeah, that Stuart Reese is going to be a problem to have out if he is out, and they're going to have to hope that either Braun or Ethan White, like you kind of mentioned, can come in and just step up to the plate. Now we'll flip sides of the ball real quick, and we'll talk about Jeremiah Moon. I Compared to the offensive guys, I don't have necessarily that much concern if Jeremiah Moon's missing the game. And no disrespect to him, it's just – The production's not there compared to what everyone expected for him this season. In four games, one sack, 1.5 tackles for loss. A lot of times where he, you know, loses contain, it's something that we've seen in the past. Not able to finish when he's pass rushing. Uh, He he generates pressure. He does it on occasion. I honestly don't think I've even seen it as much this year as I did in years past. But last year, he it was something that he did well. He created pressure, and then other guys kind of finished. Uh, But he was able to rattle guys. We just... At the end of the day, we haven't seen as much of that this year, whereas we've seen a lot from a lot of other guys. So I don't think it's that much of a loss. I don't think it's much of a loss at all. And that and that isn't to knock Jeremiah Moon too much. But, you know, you have to call a spade a spade in this case. And I don't think that there will, there will be too much of a drop-off. In fact, on Saturday when I was watching from the press box, I noticed – Jeremiah Moon wearing shorts and a t-shirt. And I was like, oh, Jeremiah Moon's out. You know, that's sort of what I've kind of grown to see from him this season. And that just might be a circumstance of not playing as much, playing different positions, having to do different things in his position. Obviously, the Buck has a multitude of uh, responsibilities. So it's not to poo-poo on him too much. But you do see that production out of Britton Cox. You do see that production sometimes out of out of Chatfield. And you've seen in the past, and I would like to see a little bit more, and maybe we'll get there this, this Saturday against Arkansas from Diabati. I feel as though this is his game. If he's going to get more meaningful repetitions because Moon is out, this is the game that you kind of want Diabati to show what he showed last season. I remember watching him. I forget what game it was. Was it the Vanderbilt game last year or what? Vanderbilt what, what game, game yeah. Yeah, the Vanderbilt game last year where I think he forced a fumble, he had a, he had a sack, or sack and a half, something like that. I thought that this guy was going to come in and play extremely well. I'm sure you guys did too. And so we'll we'll see what happens, but I I don't think that the drop off between Moon and those those guys is really going to be too much. Would also like to see Chris Bogle come out and do some more cuz he had a solid start to the season. He ended up missing some time, but he's back as we know and Hopefully he could take off in a different role as well because you do want to see those young pass rushers start to emerge within this defense. They won't always be able to rely on transfers at the buck position, so you will need to see guys step up when they get those opportunities. Someone else on defense is going to have to step up potentially, uh, although it's for Arkansas. Defensive coordinator Barry Odom. uh, He could end up taking the reins for Arkansas as their head coach like he manned at Missouri if this whole Sam Pittman COVID thing ends up being confirmed, which we should find out today sometime after you're listening to this. 
After this break, we'll talk about the implications of Sam Pittman testing positive for COVID, what it could mean for this game, and where we go from here. What's up, everybody? This is Zach Goodall, host of the Locked On Gators podcast. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Whether it's work, friends, family, a million pressing social issues, or just an expectation in general to be on 24-7. Sometimes you need to just take a moment, turn off, hit reset. You need to chill. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. Especially on game days, man. I'll tell you what, I can't really drink much during college football Saturdays, but on NFL Sundays, it's therapeutic for me, man, to sit down, drink a beer, and enjoy some football. And that's what I do. I'll reach for a Coors Light. It's the official beer of watching any sport just to drink beer. It's mountain cold refreshment that's literally made to chill. It's cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. Coors Light is the beer I choose when I need to unwind. So when you need to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. That's get.coorslight.com to get Coors Light delivered straight to your door. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. Arkansas released in a statement today. That's Sam Pittman, uh, their head coach, did test positive for COVID. Now, as of what we know so far, he is the only one uh, within the program that has tested positive, which is great news, obviously, in terms of the upcoming game. But we'll see if that ends up staying true. Uh, And we'll also see, you know, maybe it ends up being a false positive. They could test him out like Nick Saban did uh, at Alabama. But as of now, the plan would be that Barry Odom is the head coach for Arkansas. So Demetrius, I mean, having to go, it's unlike Florida because Florida had, you know, they were in the middle of their outbreak when Dan Mullen tested positive. So it's not like they were really missing a ton. They were just doing Zooms. And sure, Pittman will be able to do Zooms to stay with the team, but he's not able to be there practicing with the team. Do you think that that could have a big implication? It could and it couldn't. I mean, this is a situation where, you're thinking a coach, a head coach does mean a lot to a team. Obviously, he makes the game day decisions in terms of controlling the game, in terms of having the the play clock right, just doing the right things in head coaching roles. I mean, this is a situation where you have to imagine where now Barry Odom's going to be the guy doing all of this stuff along with his duties on the defensive side of the football. So it could have major implications, but I don't think it's going to be too major as we see on Saturday. Like you said, there's still going to be Pittman probably in the Zoom calls. They have tested him again, and like you said earlier today or earlier in this podcast, sorry, that he is going to probably get those test results back tomorrow because they're still pending We'll just have to see what happens. And this is unlike the Dan Mullen situation where Dan tested positive kind of late into their outbreak. We didn't necessarily need to see who would have to step up. We didn't know who would who it would have been. Dan listed a pl- plenty of guys who were able to do it. Now Arkansas is in a situation where they might have to. So we'll see what happens. But I don't necessarily think that this is going to be too bad for Arkansas against the Gators specifically unless this extends beyond this week where they can't even get the preparation in but I I guess we'll find out 
they can certainly feel comfortable with Barry Odom stepping up into an interim head coaching role if they need to. I mean, he's got a 25-25 and 25 record as a head coach in college football, and that was all in the SEC. He was coaching at his alma mater, Missouri, before he was let go last year. Uh, did that for four years, and people were, you know, some people were surprised when he was fired. Not everyone, because Missouri certainly wasn't performing up to, you know, SEC standards, but he was a graduate from there, a highly regarded guy, He'd coached there for a lot of his coaching life. So people were surprised to see him go. He ends up at Arkansas, and Demetrius, you noted this. I think you've got that stat in front of you, but that defense is pretty good. They are forcing turnovers. Kyle Trask, you know, we're praising him for playing great football, but they are forcing a ton of turnovers, and he's gotten lucky at times with not throwing them. So a Barry Odom team, while obviously there won't be changes defensively, he's just more in control of the whole thing, but the momentum with him and his defensive unit and him as head coach, maybe there aren't changes. Maybe there's instead, you know, you called it trap game. Yeah, (laughs) This, this is a crap game, and I'm going to keep saying it until the Gators blow them out or just win, and it doesn't even seem close. I'm going to keep saying this. This is a game where you have to make sure that you're still focused. And I did like what I heard from these players. We we, we, talked, we talked to Heggie today, and we talked to Malik Davis, and they both mentioned how they have to move on. They, they were happy, obviously, about winning against Georgia the first time since 2016. Mike Davis wasn't on the team that year. I'm not sure if Heggie was. He might have been, actually, because he's a fifth-year guy. But either way, they are moving on. And this is the game where they're going to have to make sure that they step up to the plate. And like you said, Barry Odom is the defensive coordinator there, and they've done very well. They've had 11 interceptions, I believe, if my math is correct there. 5, 7, 9, 10, 11. Yeah, so 10, 11 interceptions on defense – and to put it in perspective, I, I believe that the Gators have four, and three of them came against Georgia this week. Yeah. So I mean, and one and one of them at, came in week one by a defensive lineman. By a defensive lineman, they have three. No, they have two in the secondary, and then one with the linebacker Bernie, and then the one obviously with the the freshman Dexter. And I really don't mean to keep trashing on Florida. I really, really don't. But I wrote about it in the story. They weren't necessarily huge play takeaways. Kyrie Elam was probably the nicest because it was a quick reaction, but the ball was thrown way behind the receiver on an in-breaking route and straight into his chest. Sean Davis was pretty much catching a punt. He was and Bernie, it was a rollout by Mathis. Last play of the game, he underthrew it. And again, throw. bad throw, had some zip on it, but went straight into Bernie's chest. Right, and, and and your point here is that they're <laughs> that they were all they're not forcing just, turnovers; they're getting turnovers yeah. They were chance. all pretty much they were all pretty much just bad plays by Georgia more than good plays by Florida. But you know, you want to have those plays from Florida. You want to be able to have a, a turnover that you're supposed to get. It's just like when a when a team fumbles a snap, you want your guys to be able to get that snap. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, it'll be easier if the offense can just fall on it because that's normally what happens. But when a player is able to follow on it from your defense, that's always great. So it is good to see them getting the turnovers when they should be getting the turnovers. But the point is the Gators are going against a team that has those turnovers, 11 turnovers, and they've been creating some of them. Kyle Trask has had a couple of mishaps. There was a one play last this weekend where 
if if this was caught and returned for a pick six, you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. That would have been a completely different ball game. It's a, a one-score game. game. A six-point game, a one-score game when Florida's offense wasn't really scoring at all. And Georgia, if they would have maybe ran the football. There there were a couple things that Georgia could have done differently that would have changed the ball game. Maybe if they had changed up what they were doing because they weren't down by 13 anymore. Momentum is a real thing in football and in sports in general. This could have been a completely different ball game is my point. And so Kyle Trask has had those couple of mishaps. And we haven't really seen it necessarily this entire season, but we have seen it in key moments in certain games. I believe in Ole Miss he had a couple where they could have been. I believe the the linebackers got the hands on the ball. So we'll see. Against a Barry Odom-led defense, Barry Odom-led team this week, it's going to be interesting to see how the Gators respond and how the Gators are able to adapt against a such a ball-hawking defense. Of course, this team is also led by quarterback Felipe Franks. But this is just a tease. We'll be talking a lot more about him tomorrow because we've got quotes from just about every last player on the Florida Gators roster and coaches and members. Yes, of, the of course. The, just to interrupt for a second, of course, you know, the Gators beat. We have to ask 100 questions to every single player about Felipe Franks because that's obviously the only storyline of this game that people care about, the only storyline that the players care about. So we'll have to ask every single player all different kind of angles about Felipe Frank. So that was great. Demetrius. Jeez. I'm just I'm just saying, you know, I, was... I enjoy I enjoy the Felipe Franks questions. I enjoy was... asking it different ways. Did you A like Felipe Franks? Sharp jab. <laughs> anyway, yes, this is just a tease. But... I'm hoping we're getting you guys ready for tomorrow. We're gonna be talking plenty about Felipe then. Uh, but obviously, we will be looking for and monitoring the status of their leader, Sam Pittman, as they get ready uh, to come and face uh, Florida. He could be here. Maybe he won't be. If he tests out like Nick Saban, then maybe he will be. We'll figure out later in the week. Well, unless he tests positive again today. Well, I guess we'll just see. But the, the rest of the SEC, meanwhile, has a bigger COVID outbreak issue going on as well. And we'll talk a lot about that when we come back from this quick break. What's up, everyone? This is Zach Goodall, host of the Lockdown Gators podcast. And I'll tell you what, being a sports journalist, doing what I do every day, I do need a lot of energy. I'm a guy that's always drank coffee, but recently it's just not been getting it done for me in order for me to break through my wall, which is why I've been going towards Built Go as a replacement for any other energy drink, because it's a lot more healthy. It's brought to you by the same folks that brought us Built Bar, my favorite protein bar that we've talked about plenty here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. It's great because not only does Built Go bring you energy, but it also gives you protein. It's also loaded with vitamins uh, such as B6 and B12, 10,000% of your daily value, and other great things including collagen protein that's fast absorbing to get into your system fast. Plus, it's easy on your stomach when you've got a long day ahead. Filled with work where you really need this energy. It comes in three great flavors, my favorite being the peanut butter honey. It's got a kick of caffeine, and it's only 1.5 ounces in each package. So it's easy to carry around, easy to take with you whenever you need it. Visit BuiltGo.com and use the promo code LOCKED, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. Let's break through those walls. All right, so today, like we mentioned earlier, it was just nonstop notifications. I'm going to try and go through them. They are not in chronological order. I just wrote them all down in my notes and tried to get it all put together. So we know that Texas A&M has gone to Zoom 
only because they had two people test positive, a student athlete or a football player and a student coach. Um, they, they took the right approach. They shut everything down immediately, and they have gone straight to Zoom, hoping that they can stop any further spread of a potential outbreak, keeping their guys quarantined. And I guess we'll see when they release their next round, uh, round of testing if this was seriously something that happened before or during their trip and could have spray, uh, spread in between the teams. Um, we had Auburn and Mississippi State end up getting postponed. Last week, Coach Leach for Mississippi State, he says that last week they only had 54 players ready on game day. Of course, the SEC does have a guideline of 53 available on your roster this year. So only to further their COVID outbreak at this point, they are now well below that 53 mark. They can't play against Auburn. That game has been moved to December 12th. Uh, LSU uh, has discovered an outbreak that they have contact traced back to a party that was on Halloween, according to reporting from our own, I say our own, from Sports Illustrated. Uh, As you guys know, that's where Demetrius and I write. Ross Dellinger reports that it did come from a Halloween party. Uh, They had some positives. We don't know exactly if it's a ton of positives, but we know that there are a lot of people in quarantine that have been around these players. It puts them very close to that 53 marker, but again, it's just not something we know until these numbers come out officially. Um, And also Kentucky. Kentucky is dealing with it as well at this point. They would not go as far as to consider it an outbreak. However, just another school that you got to keep an eye on. So, Demetrius, we said it earlier. We've seen Florida deal with it. We saw it's so hard to even keep up, but I believe, in fact, I would bet on LSU in the offseason. We saw Alabama in the offseason deal with COVID outbreaks, but it was kind of like individual by the conference, they'd have a school pop up every now and then. But now we're seeing like it's like a Black Monday. All these different schools affected at one point. And if these schools are being affected, that means that you could probably start betting on other schools that they've been in contact with being affected after the incubation period. If if it is to end up working out like that, we could see the schools that were reported go off even more. I mean, sorry to go off, but it's just like exponential theory here <laughs> with how we understand this virus spreads, what a potentially dark day for the SEC. It's a potential disaster that the SEC was hoping would never happen. But when you look at it, it kind of makes sense. As soon as they announced how they would be participating to the season, a 10-game conference-only schedule, those were pretty much the only precautions that the SEC made in terms of stopping this from spreading to team to team. They didn't impact travel too much. They left that to the discretion of the team. We've already seen Florida change the way that they've traveled a bit. I believe last week against Georgia or this past weekend against Georgia, they expanded the bus usage. I believe it was four or five buses that they use instead of the normal maybe two or three, however many they use. They, They had assigned seats. They did a bunch of stuff to change the way that they were operating because of a reaction. This is all reactionary to the Texas A&M mishap. So now you look forward again to how LSU broke out. And you're talking about what Ross said. You know, they were at a party, a Halloween party. Hey, you know, just like Bud Elliott said on Twitter today or yesterday, these guys are not playing for much this year. They're losing. They're not necessarily in contention. They got nothing else better to do. They're college kids. They're going to go party. It's Halloween. It's 
Louisiana. Easy to say, obviously, they're going to be partying. So that's one thing. Another thing is when you're led by a coach that comes out in the offseason and boasts how many players have already tested positive and how they're going to have herd immunity, you got to think, well, what are the players going to respond to that? When you have a leader talking about herd immunity, not necessarily from just his own words, taking it seriously in that aspect, in that particular moment, maybe the team follows suit. Maybe the team doesn't take it as seriously. Clearly they didn't because they all went to, uh, I'm not going to say all of them, some of them went to a Halloween party. That's a bad deal. And now you're going to have to reschedule these games or potentially reschedule. We don't know if LSU is going to play Alabama this week. Right now, I believe that they said only four players thus far have tested positive, but because of the contact tracing, they're gonna, there's going to be a lot more in quarantine. We do know already that the quarantine period is 14 days. Once you test positive, it's 10 days for you to come back. So this is something that we're going to have to keep an eye on as the week moves forward, and we're just going to have to see how they respond. Now, like you said, Zach, this is going to have serious scheduling implications We already know that LSU and Florida are supposed to play on December 12th. How is LSU going to reschedule a game? You know, they've talked about potentially putting a game on the 19th, two days after the SEC championship. That is the SEC championship. Oh, that is the SEC championship. No, you're good. They would be essentially all the the, the two teams in contention for the championship would play that, and I'm sure they would adjust the schedule accordingly because – I mean, for example, Florida is supposed to play LSU on December 12th right now. And if they have to cancel West games or postpone West games for LSU, then like you were saying before we started recording, you're right. You got to get Florida off the schedule at that point because it's not an actual divisional game. Um, But there would just be so much shuffling that these schools in the SEC, apparently all 14 of them and their athletic directors have met with the SEC and they want to look into potentially having games on the 19th paired with the championship right they want to have it paired with the championship but but just follow me here you're not going to move lsu alabama to that 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 day you can't because alabama is going to be in that sec championship game there's no way unless texas a&m isn't in the however that's just not going to happen i mean alabama is going to be in the sec title game just like they are every single season pretty much so you have to think they're not going to move that so what are they going to do? When are they going to play LSU-Alabama? That's an important game because it's an SEC West matchup. You need that. If you're Texas A&M, you need, LSU, or you need Alabama to have to potentially lose a game in order to battle back into contention. So that game's not going to get canceled. I believe if they do have to reschedule these games and move stuff around, they're either going to cancel another LSU matchup or they're going to tell Alabama that they can't play a game, either cancel that game altogether, which I doubt, or they're just going to cancel, which is the thing I think that they're going to do, just cancel the LSU-Florida game. Which, are you guys really, would you guys really be that upset? As long as you guys can stay in contention and the rankings don't really change too much, would you guys be really upset about having the bye week that you were supposed to have on December 12th? I don't think so. So, that might be uh, this might Florida be Florida fans don't like my weeks for what it's worth, at least from my understanding, because they come off sloppy against Georgia in bye weeks. Well, hey, Could if you guys don't like bye weeks, if you guys don't like bye weeks, the thing is, you're gonna have you're gonna have to play such a tough game against Alabama 
the week after you play LSU, maybe you only play the rest of your starters in that game, but you don't want to because you want to win. So I don't I don't necessarily understand the anti bye week. Maybe it's a, a superstition. If you guys don't like bye weeks, it's then, probably I think it's a superstition. Now, then, I don't mean that as representative of everyone. But. Sure, then buckle up. But that's kind of where I'm at on it. it we'll, we'll see. There's so many different things that can happen. Uh, you got Mississippi State potentially not playing. Or, or did they cancel that game, or are they, they, they still Mississippi saying... State's game was postponed to the 12th. So right now on the okay. 12th, we have three games scheduled. We've got UFLSU, we've got Mississippi State-Auburn, and we have uh, Missouri-Vanderbilt. Missouri-Vanderbilt. So that's already three games there, and then you might have to have a fourth somehow. This is all a mess. Essentially, we're going to have to wait until the SEC comes out and gives us a complete schedule. It's, it's, it's all a mess right now because of COVID, and, and I just hope that all of these players and coaches that, that get this virus are, are just healthy. That's really all you want at the end of the day. As long as everybody comes out clean and healthy, they can figure out football later. So I yeah, guess we're just going to have to wait you. and find out. Their health is the most important. However, I will leave this with one final note. Bravo, SEC. One week of leeway in the middle of a pandemic. They really Bravo. thought it out. Yeah, you really thought it out. When you've got a 10-day minimum for guys that are – confirm positive to return like that's just come on and one one last thing we, we talked about this actually when florida and uh and who are they supposed to be playing LSU. lsu when florida and lsu first got postponed we talked about this we were like well they only have one other day to make this up maybe they can do it on the bye week we we're talking about the bye week stuff and then they had to miss two weeks and now we were like well now they can't have a bye week on this day and we they can't play lsu on this day so they have to play on the 12th Give them more weeks. They should have given them more, more weeks. They should have given them at least two to three weeks of leeway. Uh, they just they just uh, goofed. Yeah. Oh, SEC. It just means more. Just means more COVID cases. All right. Wow. All right. I was I was thinking about going there, but I left it to you, and you did not fail me. With that, that should just about wrap up today's episode of Locked On Gators. If you haven't already, make sure to go and subscribe. Anywhere you can listen to podcasts, you can listen. Locked on Gators. And if you don't want to miss an episode, of course, go and follow on Twitter. The main handle is at Locked on Gators. You can also find us, myself, at Zach underscore Goodall, Demetrius at Demetrius82. And if you want to find our writing, go find us at SI underscore All Gators. We'll catch up with you guys next time as it will be the Felipe Frank Show.